We've just had one of the longest football seasons in history, so therefore we've had one of the shortest summer breaks. Although I'm sure that Jack Grealish just about squeezed in enough celebration time. It seems just moments ago that Manchester City and Grealish were toasting their treble, but they've now got to do it all over again with their rivals rearming and reinforcing. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Thrilled to be back with all of the features that you love and a few new ones as well. And yes, Marco has Scott watches, of course, still a thing. The great man, poised like a coiled spring, ready for the new season. Mark, let's start with Manchester City then. Up against Burnley and their old captain, Vincent Company. How's that going to go, do we think? Yeah, I, I found it a bit of an underwhelming season opener, but I can understand why it's been chosen with the, the narrative there of company. Um, I think there's probably widespread respect on this panel for, for Burnley and their aspirations for this season to consolidate in the Premier League. They will have looked at what Fulham have achieved last season. Well, actually all three promoted clubs and, and believe they can do as good, if not better, this time around. And I think Burnley will be absolutely fine. Um, the market respects them as well coming into this match. They're a bigger price than Fulham were when they uh, hosted Man City back in April, for example. But um, it is Manchester City. They are the European champions. They are the best team on the planet by a distance, I think it's fair to say, after seeing them destruct, destroy Bayern Munich and Real Madrid last season. So... Um, I looked at City's record over the last six campaigns, um, of which they've won five titles, haven't they? So, yeah, they won the opening game five times out of six. The only time they didn't was away at Tottenham. They always lose at Tottenham. Uh, four of those six wins were without conceding. Five of those six wins were by two goals or more. So I do expect City to get the job done, but you have to sort of try and engineer something here to get excited about with, with the City price around 133 to, to 140 at best, really. So I'm happy to avoid handicaps, happy to avoid sort of winter nils, etc on the opening day. The way I'm going to sort of engineer something here is to back City to win and Connor Roberts to commit at least one foul. Uh, Burnley starting right back. He'll be up against Jack Grealish, um, who needs no introduction. Obviously, uh, the second most foul player in the Premier League last season. Uh, just an expert in drawing attention, drawing um, aggression from opponents. So uh, I don't have a price right now, but I'm kind of factoring in the average odds of his previous opponents and suggesting we can get City probably close to four to five to win this match if we include the, the foul from Connor Roberts. Um, obviously, Community Shield, the only game we can go off against Man City so far this season. And Ben White, the starting right back, did commit a foul for Arsenal. So uh, I'd expect that trend to continue and some this time around. So it's just a nice way of kind of balancing the two, playing the props alongside the, the City win price. Talked about that fouls market quite a lot towards the end of last season. It's a really good way in, isn't it? If you've got something that you just want to top up in terms of price, that foul can get you to where you want to be. Yeah, and there's obviously a, a few different ways you can play it. You can look to the likes of Grealish, the players who do draw fouls from their opponents, regardless of who that might be. But also you can flip around and go, well, who's the most likely to go after a player here? Defensive midfielders, it's their role. You know, Rodri committed three or four fouls in the Community Shield. Uh, he might play he for a team sort of <laughs> dominating the ball, but he is, he is a foul machine. So there are a couple of different ways in. You're right, it's a nice little bet builder, uh, or at least something to start your bet builder off with. And you know, fair play to Betfair because they are pushing the boat out as well. We've seen foul markets being offered in the Championship on the opening weekend as well. Um, a great range of options there too. So, yeah, it's something I'll be sort of targeting throughout the campaign. Amateur football legend and the new face of the Maltese tourist board, Mark Stinchcombe, <laughs> has jetted to be with us in London. Stinch, 
Arsenal were the closest challengers to City last season. They start their campaign against Nottingham Forest. Forest did ever so well towards the back end of last season once Steve Cooper had settled them down after they made 906 signings and he had to sift through them. How do you see this going? Yeah, I think maybe closer than the, the one to five that we have on Arsenal in the, uh, in the opening weekend. It must be said that they did beat Forest 5-0 in this fixture last season. Uh, but as you say, I, I think we've talked extensively about Steve Cooper and when we believe long term he will do a good job and we still might have to wait a bit longer for, you know, for these signings to settle down a little bit. Um, but I think Forrest maybe can contribute in, in a, with a goal at least here and that's the sort of angle I'm looking at. Um, Arsenal kept just four clean sheets at home last season. Um, so if Arsenal are, are one to five and, and Forrest score, uh, but you think Arsenal will go on and win, that one to five becomes six to four. Arsenal to win and both teams to score. So I think that provides a, an opportunity. I think potentially Arteta's looking to have, similar to Guardiola, have more control on the game with this uh, inverted left back, if you like. But I think what that might mean in transition, there might be more space on the counter, the likes of Gibbs White, Brennan Johnson. Uh, Tyro Awanyi finished the season really, really well with seven, seven goals in, uh, in, in his last 12 games. And uh, Forrest have scored in 14 of the last 18 matches. Um, so I think they have got a, a pattern and a plan of how they will approach uh, games a bit more consistently. And uh, this bet has won in 14 of Arsenal's last 22 home games. So you've got a strike rate there of 64%, but odds suggesting just 40% chance. So I think there's a good margin there. Now you don't have to wait months to get an appointment with the data doctor. Jake Oskarthorpe is with us. Jake Forrest had that late surge to stay up last season. Can they cause an upset here? I don't think so, no. Um, I'm taking Arsenal to win quite comfortably. Minus uh, one and three quarters, the handicap line I'm going to be back in. It's at 1.9 on the exchange. So if they win by three or more goals, we get a full win. If they win by two or more, it's a half win. Um, you know, Arsenal were really impressive at home last season. They won 14, drew t uh, lost two. They won by two or more goals in nine of those 14 contests. Um, but if you look against the bottom half teams, the 10 teams that finish in the bottom half, they won by two or more goals in eight of the 10. So when they were playing the lesser lights, they absolutely you know, won very handily. And haven't um, they been doing that for a while? It wasn't just last season, was it? We've talked about that yeah. for quite a while on the show, haven't we? Yeah, that's, that was the step up they made last season, really, was they, they, you know, they added a few w big wins against big six teams to that kind of already consistent churning of results against the, the teams they should be beating. Uh, and Nottingham Forest, the worst travellers in the league last season, lost 13 of, uh, of 19, won just once. Um, generated just 0.8 expected goals for per away game, which is the lowest in the league, unsurprisingly. Um, and, you know, I, I, while Stinch is going for both teams to score, uh, I know we can't read much into friendlies, as we discussed on the outright show, but they failed to score in five of their six friendlies so far this season. And, and like, that's kind of unheard of for friendlies because they're generally free-for-alls. Like, it's generally like a, you know, end-to-end -end kind of stuff. And This is just you watching Sheffield Wednesday pre-season, <laughs> usually. <laughs> Even Wednesday scored in pre-season, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think this could be uh, a 3-0, 4-0 kind of game. <coughs> Maybe even 4-1, and we might both end up with a winner, but I don't really see Forrest doing too much on the opening day. Trader, tipster, 2018 Chelsea Flower Show winner, Emmett <laughs> O'Keefe, <laughs> completes the set. Uh, Emmett... Arsenal, if they are going to challenge this season, the home form is going to have to be at least as good, if not better, because there isn't much margin for error. Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of really intrigued by Arsenal. I think just on the, on the kind of summer signings, I think, kind of, I think you're in timber. I think it's obvious how much 
he can improve them in terms of maybe the, in terms of playing these kind of hybrid systems. He's the kind of hybrid player who can play fullback. He can play in play in that back three. He can kind of be a more kind of solid defensive option than um, than Zinchenko was last season. So I think that's obvious. But what I'm really interested to see is now that Thomas Partey is probably staying is how can Declan Rice f- fulfil the Granite Xhaka role? How 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 good is Declan Rice going forward? I think we saw a huge uptick from Xhaka playing as a holding midfielder and his goal and assist production was quite good last season and I think it, 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 I'm just I'm intrigued to see how, how Rice goes in that position whether he can whether he can live up to the price tag and also then probably the biggest question mark I have over the signings is Kai Havertz I think he's a player a lot of parts of his game I like but I think the and as a stats guy usually statistics we would say that bad finishing often 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 regresses and a kind of finishing is quite random but for some players it doesn't and we've seen consistently as as was kind of mentioned in the preview podcast Havertz kind of under underperformers expected goals and now with Gar- I think I think when Arteta purchased when they bought Havertz they were thinking and playing was kind of a number eight one of those kind of playing two free eights with Odegaard and Havertz but now because of the Jesus injury their hands being forced to play him as a number nine and I'm not convinced Havertz is up to it but, but, but I'm, I'm just intrigued to see to, 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 to see how he goes and if he can kind of hit the ground running in what should be a very potent attacking Arsenal side I just wanted to ask you, being like a, a you know working on the Bundesliga a lot, like what is Havertz's best position? Because yeah. we've seen him play as a nine at Chelsea, and I don't, I've never seen him as a striker. I think this is the problem. I think because he can do lots of things well, he hasn't been nailed down in one position. And I think if you look at what he did for Leverkusen, he played some wide forward, he played some where he would just drift to the edge of the penalty area. He does, for somebody who looks quite willowy and looks as though you could knock him over fairly easily, he actually attacks the ball really well in the air. Like, he's super at that. And in Germany, they always used to say, he's that mix of Mesut Ozil with that ability to dart into spaces, and Michael Ballack, because he has that ability to attack in the air. But I take the point about the, the finishing, it's not quite where you'd want it to be. However... He's still relatively young. He scored a winning goal in a Champions League final, winning goal in a Club World Cup final for what that's worth. And I do think it makes sense that Arsenal have brought him in because I think you can play him in different ways. And even in that false nine, if you like, he can protect the ball fairly well and he uses it quite intelligently. So I'd be fascinated to see what they do with him going forward, but still a paid-up member of the Kaya Havertz (laughs) fan club. Uh, Let's head to the South Coast. Bournemouth start the Andoni Iriola revolution at home to West Ham, who haven't made any kind of revolution <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, Jake, people were a bit shocked to see Gary O'Neill dumped. Everybody was like, why? He kept them up. He did a brilliant job. He's lovely Gary O'Neill, but this actually makes sense, doesn't it? Big time, yeah. If you can go out and get a uh, you know, really sought-after coach who's kind of still in his infancy of his coaching career, but you can see the steps that he's making and almost, I, I think, Quite a lot of parallels can be drawn in terms of size of club between Rayo and Bournemouth and in the sense of like they are generally teams that need to punch above their weight to survive. I know Bournemouth have got a lot of more financial might, if you like, than what Rayo would in, in La Liga. But and a decent owner. Rayo, Rayo owner just insane. Club. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Joke of a club. But the, you know, that from size of club and the, 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 if for example, what I mean is if Bournemouth were to finish 12th, we'd see that as an overachievement, yeah. similar to what Rayo yeah. did. So I think that's a, a nice fit straight away. He's kind of got almost a, you know, he's got a high ceiling to potentially get Bournemouth up um, higher. And, and I think from a, just a general football perspective, the way in which he's going to get Bournemouth playing is going to be A, exciting and B, going to get results. 
because he plays quite high intensity front foot football with a lot of pressing. Um, I think only Bayern Munich had more th uh, final third turnovers last season than Ryan Vallecano. So it kind of shows you that they do get after the opponents. They will play higher up the pitch and they'll play less um, sit deep counter-attack. They're super football. aggressive, aren't they? Yeah. Ball, yeah. And, and I think, I think that's, um, you know, it, it's probably the matchup this weekend against West Ham is probably not where we're going to see it at its best because West Ham are generally quite a direct team. So they might not have that opportunity to press super high you know if Fabianski kicks the ball long or goes to fullback they don't mind hitting channels for Antonio so uh, you know that that part of the game is probably not going to come into it as much but for future reference I will be looking at backing Bournemouth forwards on the fouls in the, um, with the Betfair market because I think there will be a couple when they're pressing so high that you just get um, get caught up but I'm, I'm looking this weekend at just backing Bournemouth plus naught on the Asian handicaps so we're getting just over the even money um, on Betfair exchange and that, that look to me looks like a good bet given that you've got a West Ham team that are in some sort of a semi-crisis at the minute like they don't really know what's going on is Moyes going to stay is he going to go what kind of plays are going to come in they've still got the Declan Rice shaped hole in the middle of the midfield um, you know they're a team that yes they underperformed last season based on the data but they still finished you know they're in a relegation battle for three quarters of the campaign before picking up good results at the end went on to win the Conference League obviously um, but yeah the, the, given the, the stuff that's going off off field and the fact they've not actually improved their squad and Bournemouth have and they're in a much more stable position with a better manager. I'm quite happy to, to chance them to get a positive result. Obviously, if they get a draw here, we get our money back. So there's that security there. Um, yeah, and we're getting this price because West Ham are actually favourites to win away at Bournemouth, which I think is a little bit wrong um, as we enter this season. Yeah, it's interesting, Emmett, isn't it? Because West Ham seems to remember <coughs> went to Bournemouth and won really handily towards the end of last season. But it was a very different scenario. Bournemouth were pretty much safe, I think. West Ham really needed the points. And with Iriola there, it is a completely different ball game because this is a guy that got Mirandes, who were a second-tier side, to the Copa del Rey semi-finals. And as Jake has said, with Rio Vallecano, he's worked wonders. Absolutely. So the, I think the, what's going to go into the price is like the last season... And why I think the Bournemouth kind of managerial change is probably a sign of how football's changed and how kind of clubs are looking at the data more to making decisions rather than thinking Gary O'Neill kept us up and th th this kind of sentimental talk. Whereas, like if you look at the pure pure numbers, Bournemouth I think were 18th or 19th in the expected goals in these figures. They the, on on the data, Bournemouth should have gone down. They were fortunate, and and like instead of kind of instead of just kind of relying on that luck to continue they've looked at the bad process and, 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 and trying to change that process and i think iriana may not work it, it, it's like it's like the the style of football that he's bringing in is quite different it may be like he's a bad fit or, or, or but i think i think betting on a guy with his profile that's as highly rated as he is that has had the managerial achievements that his has he's had it, 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 it is it, it is an excellent bet to make and i i i would just i i i i, I, I agree with everything jake said Bournemouth look kind of a cracking bet just as well just on the price as well West Ham last season their XG numbers had them closer to mid-table and they were very little unfortunate to kind of be in the relegation zone but that was a West Ham with Declan Rice and that he was he was by far their best player and I think uh, and kind of they, they've obviously signed Edson Alvarez this week kind of trying to replace him who's been kind of good for good at Ajax for a few years but he's just came in this week. He hasn't had much time to kind of train with the team. We're probably not going to see him have his best form. And just given, and again, like I wouldn't read too much into pre-season, 
but like West Ham have drawn with Dagenham and Redbridge. Dagenham and Redbridge have been well beaten by both Wren and Bayer Leverkusen. So I think all 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 the kind of signs point to this being kind of a really good time for Bournemouth to face West Ham and and, and uh, getting odds against the drawn up bet is more than fair. Mighty daggers doing some damage there. Uh, Stinch, any love for West Ham or are you in the Bournemouth camp as well here? Uh, yeah, I think Nick Bournemouth could be a lot of fun this season, basically. Um, you look at Iraola last season for Rayo, um, expected goals for averaging 1.67, averaging two against. So you've got an overall figure there of, of 3.67 in a league that only averages two and a half goals per game. So La Liga is an unders league. Yeah. And yet we're seeing this expansive football at both ends. Of the pitch, uh, 13 of Rayo's last 14 matches finished over two and a half goals. Um, again, in an unders league, they averaged the fifth most shots per game. Just think Bournemouth could be really, really fun. And a bit like when Deserby came in at Brighton, yeah. you know, we were taking advantage again and again of, of lots of goals. And I, I think given the fact that goals are chalked up as 50-50, I think taking overs now is, is a decent leap of faith in my mind. Um, you know, we've got that Declan Rice-shaped hole in West Ham's midfield. He made the third most interceptions per game in the league last season. So Bournemouth are going to play this intricate pass, and I think they could get through West Ham's bat line. Um, and 10 of West Ham's last 13 to finish the season went over 2.5 goals as well. And uh, Emmett touched there on, uh, on friendlies. You look at the, the results in West Ham's friendlies. Again, you shouldn't read too much into them, but just, you know, it's, it's worth noting. 4-0, 3-1, 2-3, 2-6, 1-4. And as he mentions, from ranging from Bayer Leverkusen to, to the Dagenham and Redbridge. So a big range of abilities there. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Bournemouth might potentially be able to cover this line by themselves, not just in this game, but going forward in, uh, in their fixtures this season. Or if you think completely opposite, back Iriola to get sacked first at 20 to 1. <laughs> Because they, yeah. the they disposed of Scott Parker very quickly yeah. and they got rid of Gary Neal. That's spent weeks telling everybody how terrible <laughs> they were. <laughs> and I they got think. beat 9-0. Well, there was that as well. Good. There was that as well. Uh, if you think there'll be goals in that game and you think that's a good basis for an Acker, it's worth bearing in mind that Betfair's offering a completely free football Acker every weekend in August. But you do have to opt in to claim it maximum free bet varies between one pound and two pound per customer minimum combined odds and t's and c's apply let's dip our toes now into the crystal clear waters of the efl mark you want to take us into league two don't you i do as i said on the preview show best league in the uk this season <laughs> i think um <coughs> hang and, um, on, hang on. We're going to get Scott watch later. You can't be calling League Two the best league in the UK. That's true. Um, <laughs> split loyalties. Didn't specify which League Two. Ah, yeah, that's true. I mean, Scottish League Two last him. season was <laughs> fantastic. Um, Newport versus Doncaster this weekend has, has kind of piqued my interest a bit because I talked about Newport for relegation. They've been downsizing, reducing the buzz budget quite significantly. Uh, Graham Coughlin, the head coach there, is is very much a, a process-driven head coach, but he's, he's very diligent about the defence. The defence has to be right. He was a hell of a defender <coughs> in his day, I seem to remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sheffield Wednesday legend. He, um, he's very much all about the defence. Well, over the summer, he lost five key performers from that defence, including the goalkeeper. It's left them pretty short. Um, they started the season with a 3-0 defeat at Accrington. Um, <coughs> yeah, Accrington just coming down, so you can make allowances for that. If you look at the data or the reports, it did suggest that the match was, was pretty balanced, but even still, I'm just finding it really hard to understand and work out how they're rated at even money shots here to beat Doncaster at home this weekend. That would say that the market believes that Newport are the better team than Doncaster, but if you look at the anti-post ratings, markets, odds, 
Doncaster were, were basically the best of the rest outside the big eight to, to finish in the top six, top seven of League Two, and Newport were down in the bottom six. So <clears throat> just just at odds with that price, basically. And from a Doncaster perspective, um, Grant McCann came back in during the summer. They did a lot of early business, impressive business too, for League Two standards. There's definitely uh, inklings of them making a move, whether it's this season or, or next season, for promotion. Uh, back to the third tier. They lost 1-0 at home to Harrogate on the opening day, which was a bit of a surprise, really. Harrogate's top goal scorer was ruled out for, a, you know, basically for a transfer uh, on the morning of the match. So they still lost that match, but they only conceded four shots in the box. It was, it was quite an unfortunate defeat. They will be top half this season. Newport will absolutely be bottom half. So, you know, the market is rating Newport the better team. They are completely disagree. So you can get Doncaster plus half a goal at 1.95 on the Asian handicap. It's just a no-brainer bet for me. I know it's early doors in the season, but um, just a, a wide, well, a complete difference of opinion here between me and the, and the market, and I'm quite happy to sort of back my hunch here on Donny. Mark O'Hare versus the market. <coughs> Let's uh, go to the championship. Jake, you've got something for us. Yeah, I'm uh, taking on Mark O'Hare's team. Um, <laughs> QPR, not to kick Isn't everyone in. taking on QPR <laughs> yeah. this season? Basically, whoever QPR are playing, we're backing. Um, but no, th this week they're at Cardiff. Um, and two reasons why I want to back Cardiff at uh, just above even money, which I think is a big price on the exchanges. They looked, um, you know, they, they were good against Leeds. They were effective against Leeds. They weren't dominant in terms of possession. They were very compact and very solid out of possession. Um, and, you know, they, like I said, they were very effective when they got the ball and they scored a couple of goals at Ellen Road. And, and I think that the 2-2 result, well, for all the possession Leeds had, it was generally quite a, a fair result. The XG was 1.8 to 1.4, so it wasn't like they were massively outplayed or outcreated. And I think that's a very good gauge given that Leeds were sent off as second favourites to win the championship. So to go away from home to Leeds and put in that kind of performance, I think it was um, more than what I was expecting anyway. And then you've got QPR who were hammered 4-0 against Watford. I mean, it was 4-0 in the first half, wasn't it? It was kind of Watford. You're so mean. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking straight at Mark Sorry. there. Watford put the slippers <laughs> on in the second half, but the XG for that was 2.95 to 0.42. So it was an absolute dismantling. Like there was, it was n basically no contest. Um, and yeah, QPR, we, we've all said on the, pre the preview show that, we, you know, that for relegation, they look like a solid bet. And while you've got a team that you think are going to go down, playing away from home against a team that, that I think overperformed my expectations in the first game, I'm quite happy to back them at even money, Cardiff. And, um, you know, I probably would back this at maybe 1.9, so it's probably a point too high. But, yeah, I, um, I think that it's, it's going to be a bit of a trend in the early weeks of the season with QPR is, is just trying to get against them and f when the price is right, obviously. Well, that kind of match odds bet is perfect for our new 90-minute payout because when you bet on the result of a match, you can still win even if there's injury time drama. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. There is a handy FAQ section on our website, betting.betfair.com, which explains exactly how 90-minute payout works. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus, see gambleaware.org. Luton Town completed a remarkable ascent from the National League to the Premier League last season when they won the playoff final. They start their campaign at Brighton. Emmett, it's fair to say there are easier ways to start the season. Definitely. I, th I think um, this is kind of an all-favourite kind of an all favorite from last season. It's just kind of betting against kind of the, oh, the goal totals in Brighton matches. Since kind of Roberto Tazerbi took over Brighton, 63% of their games, both teams, both teams to score clicked in 63% of their matches, one of the highest percentages 
in the league, there's definitely some kind of doubts about how good Brighton will be this season. Obviously, losing Alexis McAllister and likely Moises Caicedo. I think, I think in terms of this bet, I think the absence of um, Levi Caldwell, I think, will, 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 will kind of hurt them. I think he looks a potential superstar. I think he was a big part of their success in the second half of the season. However, I think with Deserbi in charge, some of the attacking talent at their disposal, thinking Matoma, Inciso, Evan Ferguson, Yao Pedro, Makamakudis, etc., I think we'll still see really high score in Brighton games. And I think and I think I think even if even if Brighton do likely hammer Luton as the kind of price indicate, Brighton currently kind of a one to three favourite here. I still think Luton will definitely get chances. It's just the nature of Brighton. And this feels like kind of a 3-1 or a 4-1 Brighton win. And so, yeah, basically, if if you're getting odds against on both teams to score in a Brighton game, I'll I'll back it in the Premier League. I'll back it regardless of opposition. Sheffield United back in the top flight. They kick off with a game against Crystal Palace and the seemingly tireless Roy Hodgson about to start another (laughs) Premier League season at the age of 112. So good luck to Roy this season. Stinch. How are they going to cope without Zaha? He's gone, off on an adventure to Turkey. Yeah, it's the uh, same really for Sheffield United as well, losing their talisman in uh, Iliman Ndiaye to, to Marseille, who, in my opinion, was probably the player of the championship last season. I know Tuba Akpom got it, but in terms of all-round player, I think Ndiaye was by far the best player in the championship. It's just a huge, huge loss. It's good at the World Cup as well for Senegal, really caught the eye. Yeah, I'm not, well. sure, I'm not sure he... C- I know Jake's got concerns about their budget and I'm not sure they can replace him anyway you know, in terms of attractive, attracting somebody of the same ability. Um, they lost James McAtee as well. They had him on loan. He was the third top goal scorer. So they lost 23 of their 73 goals from last season, which is, which is a third of their tally. So it's a big, a big void to try and fill. Um, we've, we've mentioned not reading too much into friendlies, but you know, Sheffield United have failed to score v Rotherham, Estoril, Girona and Stuttgart, you know, it's a bit worrying. What a group that is. <laughs> a bit worrying signs, yeah, you know, as, as you kind of alluded to there, a range of, of uh, teams. And, yep, Zaha's obviously left Palace as well. Big, big void to, for him to fill. Contributed 63 goals over the last seven seasons. Um, so I'm looking at unders here at 8 to 11. Uh, I think it could be uh, KG1 to start potentially. I know there were a lot of goals towards the when Hodgson returned at the back end of last season, but they tended to be in isolated games. Six of his 10 matches actually went under two and a half goals. So I think that um, this could be a bit of a, a slow burner. And uh, yeah, Sheffield United, they are 15 to 8 at home to Palace. Now, Palace. Uh, in the relegation conversation. So Sheffield United being outsiders already, these are sort of games they're gonna have to try and take points from. They're not gonna have much success in my mind, trying to go toe to toe with teams and try and outscore them. So it's gonna be a grind, I think really. So I think unders is, is the way to start. Now this is normally the bit where I would say, now it's time for the world famous podcast treble, but look at them. I've got four of them. So why don't I make it a podcast quadruple? It is a betting feature so impactful that Mark O'Hare has twice had to turn down offers to be on Love Island. So <laughs> there we go. Maybe he'll accept number three. How it works is each of the guys, whether they like it or not, are going to come up with a selection ahead of the weekend's <coughs> action. And delightful traders like Emmett there wrap them up for you in a boosted multiple. Who will I start with? Jake, I'll start <laughs> with you. You know I'm, I wasn't prepped for this, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Bit of early um, psychodrama for you here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going I'm to go with Cardiff. I really fancy them to beat QPR this week, and even money's a decent place to start off. Lovely stuff. Stinch. 
Yeah, I'll go for over two and a half goals in Bournemouth West Ham for as we discussed earlier. I think honestly Bournemouth could be so much fun this season, so wait for the, the West Ham five nil opening day victory. <laughs> Future Love Island contestant Mark. Uh, Man United to beat Wolves on Monday night. Nice and simple. We shall go into that in the Sunday show. And Emmett. Yeah, for the reasons already outlined, both teams scoring Brighton Luton. Lovely stuff. That was, that was all very easy, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, now, I know what you've been thinking. When's all this preamble and nonsense going to end? When are we getting to the good stuff? Finally, my friends. Here it is. Worry no longer. It's Mark O'Hare's Scott Watch. <laughs> Scottish League One for us this weekend. Cove Rangers against Falkirk. Um, two teams kind of supposed to be in the mix for promotion. This time around, uh, Cove have just dropped down to the third tier. Falkirk were Scottish Cup semi-finalists last season, fell short in the playoffs, but uh, big hopes of going well again this time around. They've uh, retooled a couple of big strong signings for that level. Uh, Azumang in, in particular up front is expected to go well. Uh, they made a decent start in the League Cup, just lost once. Uh, that was against Dundee United, narrowly 1-0. Uh, Dundee United just dropping down into the, the, the uh, championship. So uh, impressive result, really, in terms of, uh, I know they lost, but even still very competitive. So they beat Annan in their opener last weekend, 3-0. They won the shot count 17-4, eight shots on target, 11 corners, very dominant. They're playing a Cove team who are still likely to be missing basically their three best players. That includes Mitch Meganson, their top goal scorer. Uh, Soccer Saturday fans will know his name. Um, looks like he's going to be missing. He was missing last week. They lost 1-0 at Hamilton and managed just four shots in the match. Uh, zero on target. And uh, their only wins in the League Cup actually came against lower league opposition as well. So Falkirk drawn a bet 5-4 to four away at Cove Rangers is where I would go. Um, very quick culture corner, but um, kind of first-hand experience of being in Scotland over the summer. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> I was driving, I drove past Falkirk Stadium actually, very impressive for a third tier club, um, very cool little stand. Um, I was on the way to the Falkirk wheel. No, no, it's, it's, it's Google it, it's nice. Um, <laughs> we're on the way to the Falkirk wheel, which is an incredible engineering feat. I don't know if you've heard the about Falkirk it. Falkirk wheel, tell us about yes. the Falkirk wheel, Mark. So it basically connects two canals, so I've got the names of them, the, the Forth and Clyde Canal and the Union Canal. One's basically 35 metres higher than the other. Oh. And basically the <laughs> boats kind of come in into the wheel, which basically brings them up to the other canal <laughs> so they can Oh wow, on. so it's like it's just a massive lock kind yeah. of thing. Right. But they're on okay. different levels. Incredible stuff. Um, but anyway, on the on the way there's these brown signs for the, the Kelpies. Don't know what the hell the Kelpies were, but everyone's talking about the Kelpies. The Kelpies are here, there and everywhere. Turns out they're just ginormous horse sculptures. Just Absolutely massive, and you can see them for, for ages. But so, yeah, if you're going to, to Falkirk, look out for the Kelpies, go to the Falkirk wheel. Um, <laughs> Sorry, this sounds like Narnia. And you've uh, got like a, a massive wheel, you've got massive horse sculptures. It's yeah, incredible. a good stadium. Um, also, Falkirk was voted the uh, Scotland's most beautiful town in a 2011 poll by STV. But I didn't know that when I. Uh, when I was in Falkirk, so I never actually went into Has the it town. been voted that again since? No, no. Okay. So it might have, is okay. presumably it's lost. But um, <laughs> yeah, the founder of Iron Brew is from Falkirk as well. So. <gasps> wow. Really? Yeah. That's my favourite bit of Scott Watch bands. ever. Okay. Other yeah. fizzy drinks that you don't know what they are, <laughs> are available, obviously. Wonderful. 
That was my, see, this is why we look forward to Scott Watch. It's genuinely my favourite bit of the show. Uh, that's all we have time for, sadly, on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. We have the Sunday show that all of the cool kids either listen to or watch or even both. So make sure you catch that too. Don't be one of the dweebs who only listens to the Saturday show, doesn't bother with the Sunday show. That's no good. Lots of good preview content on our website, betting.betfair.com. Got an exciting new Betfair YouTube channel for non-racing content. So make sure you check out the link in the description and subscribe. From Mark, from Jake, from Stinch, from Emmett and from me. It's goodbye for now.